0: So get your Bibles out to Acts chapter 8, and uh, we, will, we will dig into that. Uh, some people asked me, they asked me uh, last night, why my wife and I didn't go to the gym. I said, some relationships just don't work out. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right. You'll be madder than that before I get done, so it's okay. This is a a fun passage in Acts chapter 8. We've been rolling through the book of Acts. We took a break last week because of Easter. We went, obviously, to the resurrection story. Chapter 6, we talked about the fact that they were serving meals. And they had some divisions in the church, so they set apart ministry leaders or deacons who would be in charge of taking care of groups of widows, making sure that everybody get fed. But they specifically said they've got to be men who are full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So their job wasn't just to serve food. They were to share the gospel in every opportunity. Then in chapter 7, one of those guys, Stephen, Stephen is out preaching, preaches maybe the greatest sermon in history, <coughs> covers the entire history of Israel. Great story. And then they kill him. The church is scattered. This is beginning of verse 8. <clears throat> it says the church scattered all over the world. But as they scattered, what did they do? They shared the gospel. Philip is one of those deacons. And Philip is scattered during the persecution. And God sends Philip on a specific ministry. If you'll stand out of respect for God's word. We'll pick it up in Acts chapter 8 verse 26. So Philip was one of these seven guys that was picked to be a deacon to be in charge of soup. Okay? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip... Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So the road, the road that goes down, it's, it's where the Palestinians are now. Gaza, still Gaza. That's where they're sending rockets over into Jerusalem. That's the area that we're looking at. So Philip starts out, and on his way, he meets an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all of the treasury. All right, so whoever this dude is, he's in charge of all the money. For Queen Candace of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He went up there for Passover. Would have taken several months. It was a huge entourage. Would have been camels and donkeys and gold and silver. And this huge entourage takes months to get up there and months to get back. We're walking from Ethiopia to Jerusalem and back. And they're hoping to find something great. But they didn't hear about Jesus. So he's on his way home. And God sends Philip. So on his way home, he's sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet. said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked him. How can I? Unless someone explains this to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, this is Jesus, he was deprived of his justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. That's what he's reading. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, who's this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Philip baptized him. This is where it gets good. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. He disappeared. We'll come back to that. And the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. You can be seated. All right, let's talk about this story just a little bit. Because in the first century, Africa is going to become a Christian nation, a Christian continent. This is the craziest story, all right. Africa is a little bit of everything, right? We all know that. There's all they're, they're worshiping ancestors, they're worshiping Roman gods. There's all kinds of stuff in Africa, but there's a group of Jewish people that live in Ethiopia. How did how did they get there? Well, let's back up, quick history lesson, and then we'll get right to the text, all right. There was a guy named Solomon who was the king of Israel. Does everybody know about Solomon? All right. God said he's the smartest guy ever to live because God gave him that wisdom and knowledge. And he was the richest man to ever live. They threw silver away in Jerusalem because everything was made of gold. And I mean everything. All right. But he was wise. People came from all over the world. And they brought more gold. And they brought more gifts. And they came just to hear Solomon's wisdom. You can read all about it. Well, there was a lady down at the far end of the Saudi Peninsula, the Queen of Sheba. And she heard about Solomon, and she wanted to find out for herself. So she packs up her entourage of gold and diamonds and all of the stuff, and she comes. Well, Solomon, with all of his wisdom and all of his money and all of his might, had one problem. Anybody? Women. Women. Solomon had 700 wives And 300 not wives. Now, people are like, people are like, well, that was a ceremonial. Uh, It was uh, building bridges with countries. Uh, Yeah, it was. Solomon had lots of children. All right, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. And uh, he and the Queen of Sheba had a connection. Okay? And there's a boy named Menelech. This is not in the Bible, this is history. Menelech moves to. a place that we know as Ethiopia. Today, it would be Egypt, Ethiopia, Sudan, that whole region of Eastern Africa. And there's a whole tribe of people that grow up there, and they're in the middle of Africa, but they're Jewish. People, I I love talking to people today, like, how do all those Jewish people get in Africa? Well, it's really not all that hard. They're descendants of Solomon. So when this eunuch leaves, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. That's why he's going to Jerusalem. He's going up there to find out about the history. He's going up there to celebrate Passover. But you need to understand the power. You know about ancient Egypt, right? The power they had. Egypt, Ethiopia, they ruled forever. In fact, we got a picture of of, of Moreau. <clears throat> this is one of the capitals. You think Egypt has got pyramids? they've got hundreds and thousands of pyramids out in the desert in Ethiopia and Nubia and Sudan because that's where the real power was. And the money, this is where all the gold came from, is down in this part of Africa. So this guy is rich beyond his imagination. He's in charge of the queen's treasury and he goes on this trip and he wants to find out about God. He owns the world, but he wants to know about God. So he goes to Jerusalem, and he doesn't get everything he wants. So he's going back home. And this queen, let me explain, something. you're welcome to look all this up, but uh, the word Candace is like the word Pharaoh, okay? Uh, They each had a name. It would be Candace something, Pharaoh something, President something. Uh, But these women were so powerful in this line that this is the only country, this is free, that Alexander the Great never conquered. Anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great conquers all, all the Roman Empire. He conquers Persia, parts of India. He conquers North Africa. He conquers Egypt. He gets to the Queen of Candace. She's got thousands of warriors lined up and she's standing with one foot on one elephant and another foot on another elephant and she looks Alexander in the eye. And Alexander says, you know what boys, I think we've had enough. Let's go home. It's <laughs> an honest story. You can, you can, you can look that up. This is a powerful empire, which is why the gospel is going to spread so fast once we get the gospel there. So the Ethiopian's coming home, and he's in his chariot, and he's got his scroll. Only a few people could read, and very few people could afford a scroll. But he's got a scroll of Isaiah. That's his momentum coming home from, from Jerusalem, but he's still empty. And Philip hears him reading from Isaiah. All right, now there's a couple things I want to point out here. If you look at the text very carefully, God sent Philip on a journey. All right? We all agree with that, right? Philip, need you to go down this road. All right? It says Philip ran. Circle that. In my Bible, right here, I just put a big circle around that word ran. When's the last time God asked you to do something and you ran to do it? Whether it was to pray, or to give, or to serve, or to get to worship, or to teach, or to be in a prayer time by yourself, or in a group. It's more like, hmm, church, alright, I guess we got to get some food for this. and You know, we do a lot of mumbling, don't we? But Philip ran. The only other thing I can identify this is in Luke 15, 20, when it talks about the prodigal son. And it says that God himself was standing out the door waiting for his son to come home. Day after day, after week, after month, after year, every day. And when his son, who's now bedraggled, diseased, and a mess, turns up the lane, it said God ran to him. So if you're wondering how God reacts to you when you're a sinner, when you repent of that sin and you're ready to come home, you think, is God still going to love me? It's the only place in the Bible that said that God ran. Jesus doesn't run anywhere else but right there in Luke 15. But that's Philip's action. And I'm not here, I mean, I'm not here to laud Philip. I don't care. But I am here to judge myself and say, Joe, how do you approach this? Do you run to do things for God? Or do you do things reluctantly? And, and just, okay, I have to do this. I'm a Christian. Let's get through this. And I just love his attitude. He ran for the opportunity to do what God was going to give him to do. To be honest, we can't get a lot of Christians to walk anywhere. We can't get them even to stand anywhere, let alone run. But Philip ran for the opportunity. Then when he gets there, he listens. He hears the man reading. Now, you have to understand, okay, even today, Isaiah 52:11 through the entire 53rd chapter of Isaiah will never be read in the Jewish synagogue. They're terrified of that passage. They, their Bibles, it's not even there. Because it is the blow-by-blow account of the crucifixion of Jesus. Here's the problem. It was written 740 years before Jesus and 500 years before crucifixion was invented. And yet when you read it, you will read the exact story of the crucifixion. So if you read that in the synagogue, somebody's going to go, wait, it seems like I've heard that story before. And so this Jewish ethiopian man is reading from isaiah and isaiah just asked him a question notice this he didn't scream at him he doesn't yell at him he just says do you know what you're reading he goes no i need somebody to help me invites the dude up into his chariot and it said philip went from that passage and told him all about jesus now notice he didn't say hey i need to know about your sin life I need to know about how you identify. I'm sure this guy had a whole lot of issues. All right, we're going to get to that in just a minute, so buckle in. I don't care what your sin past is. If you repent, you turn away from that, you accept Jesus, you can be saved, yes? That's the whole point of the gospel. We live in an age, however, where people want to say, listen, I'm going to live however I want and no God's going to tell me how to live that's not the guy you want to talk to you keep praying for them but the guy you want to talk to is the guy that's looking and there's still a whole lot of people that are looking and they just don't know it they're looking for god they're looking for purpose they're looking for meaning they're really looking for salvation and they'll do it in the most crazy ways and i got to tell you something something happened to me this week and i don't know i i am triggered to get angry right, that's just Joe's, things things trigger me. So I don't watch the news much because all I do is get triggered. So it saves me a lot of, saves me a lot of repenting. It's better for my blood pressure. There's a whole lot of things um, that go on. But this week for the first time is I'm watching all the insanity unfold in my nation and in my world. I changed emotions and I don't know what happened. But I went from being angry to being heartbroken. Because it hit me that all these people that are so whacked out, they're really looking for God and they just don't know it. They're that lost. And instead of being angry at people, I got broken. And I think probably that's where God wanted me to be all along. Doesn't mean I changed my stance on the truth. But these people are broken and lost and it's our job to rescue them, right? Let me read you this. I, <clears throat> I'm going to read you this list. This is, kind of, this is what triggered me, <clears throat> but it was so bad that it triggered me to be broken. Now listen, I'm just a redneck from Missouri that loves Jesus and believes the Bible, okay? But this is all highlights. This is news feeds from this week. All right? Reese Witherspoon, we'll start with this one because it's innocuous. She said, I think beef is a vegetable. Okay. That just sort of sets the tone for where we're going. Her daughter Ava said, gender is whatever you want it to be. The Washington Post, the paper of record, said, defining a woman is a very complicated thing. (laughs) County in Wisconsin, the Pledge of Allegiance has been taken out of our county schools because it's not inclusive. Charlie Kirk was banned from Twitter, suspended, for saying that a biological man is a man. Wisconsin District. Parents are not entitled to know their child's sexuality. This one's local. This is here in the state of Florida. Mother killed her two children. When they arrested her, she said, I didn't want them anymore. You can look it up. New Jersey, New Mexico. Teaching gender identity in kindergarten. On your passport, you no longer have to put male or female, you can put an X. Emojis, they now have a pregnant male emoji. Now I may look, that may represent me, (laughs) but there ain't no kid in here, you know what I'm saying? I can take it. Oklahoma State had a drag queen come in and do a story hour for two-year-olds. A lady running for the Senate right now had an abortion because of her concern for the climate emergency. Massachusetts forcing children to call their classmates by the classmates' preferred pronouns. Oh, gosh. Well, you get the idea. But here's, here's my statement. If I were to walk into my office, right over there, on Monday morning, and I would talk about the things that are being taught in our grade schools, I would be, first of all, reprimanded, second of all, arrested for sexual harassment. And yet it's being taught to third, fourth, fifth graders, since, since when? I read an article last night said parents have no right whatsoever to talk to their children about sexuality. It's like, wow. See, this is the state of things. Now, let me help you biblically what I think is happening. When you read First Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks all about the second coming of Jesus. And it explains that there's going to be an, an angel and there's a trumpet. And it says, but the Lord is going to descend with a loud command. Now, this is thus saith Joe, but this is what I think God's going to say. I think you're going to hear this word, maybe in multiple languages, you're going to hear this word, enough. Enough. I mean, it's like, the, how much further can we get away from God? Now, I say all of that to say this. Our job does not change. We love people, but we love them enough to tell them the truth. Because if I just say, well, it's okay, go ahead and live together. It's okay, go ahead and be involved in this sexual relationship. It's okay, go ahead and do this. Then I just patted you on the back, made you feel really good as you go to hell. Or I can say, you know what? Jesus loves you right where you are. And everything you've been looking for, Jesus died for on the cross to give you eternal life. And all you've got to do is repent of your sins and accept Jesus. And he will spend your life a 180. That's the hope that we have. And that's but you have to confront sin and where well, there has to be sin we live in a world where there seems to be no rules, no, no thoughts of that but I love that because Philip is so honest with the guy and then alright, what it doesn't say here in the English text, they took it out, but Philip makes a st- or the Ethiopian makes a statement he says, now that I have confessed Jesus here's water why can't I be baptized? So what's about to happen? Well, let me tell you what's about to happen. It looks like a baptism's about to happen. It will. This guy is going to go back to Ethiopia, and Africa is going to be turned on its head because of this one guy. How do you know that, Joe? Go back and look at what happened in Africa. They'll tell you that the first church buildings were built in Ethiopia in the 4th century. And that's true. They're still there. alright they're, they're huge and, and and made of stone. They're still there. But the gospel was there in the 1st century. And Christianity exploded all over East Africa, North Africa, all because this guy went home. And when he went home, guess what he did with the story? He told everybody. Oh, let's talk about Philip, though, one more time. So after Philip baptizes the guy, they go down in the water, Philip baptizes him. Uh, By the way, we have baptism today at Andy Romano Park at six o'clock. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, you come down front, hit the button, I've decided. Meet us down at Andy Romano at six o'clock. There's just a lot of things going on, but uh, however you need to get right with Jesus. But I love this, that the man right there, he didn't want to waste any more time get me to jesus but after philip baptizes him what happens (laughs) he disappears doesn't say left he disappeared god took him away it says and he moved him up the coast about 10 miles and dropped him back down all right now look here we go if you are making up a story right because that's what we get accused of right They they, they made this whole thing up. They wrote this whole thing up. You guys are dumb enough to believe it. If you're making up a story to fool the masses for all of eternity, do you have Philip disappear at this point? No. It was a statement to that Ethiopian man who went, Wow, something big is going on here. So he goes back to Africa. He tells his friends, and it just continues to spread. Now you and I get that same chance. You can go out there and see Al. There's also a card in the back. All right. You think we've we've challenged you yet? All right. If you're a guest, by the way, welcome. We're going to ask you for a million dollars. Um, <coughs> we're glad you're here. If you're a guest, we're doing a night for Africa, and I want to show you what we're doing. This is um, give you the map of Africa right now. The fastest growth in Christianity in the world is happening and it's happening all over Africa. And so we're just getting on board. We're just helping. It's amazing. So uh, in the Ethiopia, Uganda region right here, we are planting literally hundreds of churches they just need some resources to train pastors we planted 500 churches in Egypt we're working on the West Coast this is all Islamic and very dangerous we're planting churches all down here here in the middle where's Niger right here this is French speaking Africa on fire for jesus right now we're going to step into that namibia we're working with all kinds of child sponsorships uh here's the here's the land that owl was talking about we're, we're going to work in this entire region and then here off the coast of tanzania there's a little island called zanzibar anybody ever heard of that zanzibar is where the slave trade started here in america And it is one of the most dangerous islands in all the world. And one of my friends that I went to college with said, Joe, they won't let us start a church, but they'll let us start a school. They'll let us start a Christian school. Will you fund it? And I said, yes, yeah. $60,000 to start a school and it's we're done. So, So we're doing this project for Africa and these cards are on the back table. And I hope everybody will take a card. And I want you to pray. Can you give? Yes, it's on there. But our goal is to raise a million dollars in one night to change the continent of Africa for a billion people. All right? That's going to be in June. You're like, well, that's crazy, Joe. How are you going to raise a million dollars above and beyond what we're already doing? Make you feel better if I told you we already had 500,000 committed? So we're already halfway there. And... um, some of it's already some of it's already in the bank. Some of it's been committed. Some of it's been pledged. So, because the first dollar is the hardest one to find. Okay, so we got five hundred thousand of those already rounded up, and I just want you to pray about it. Wait, you know what? Because if you give ten dollars, you help save Africa as much as somebody that gives a thousand. It's 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 all working together. But I read the story, and I think one guy went, one guy went down a desert road, told one other guy. About Jesus, that one guy went to Africa, and that one guy helped the entire continent find Jesus. And now we get to do that again. Let me finish with this: Nick Saban. I'm not an Alabama fan at all. Let's just make that point. All right, all right. Any Alabama people here? All right. Must be hard to be an Alabama fan, isn't it? So I'm a Missouri fan. We're in the SEC. We barely can keep a team on the field. You guys win the national title every other year. It's, uh, it's quite an arrangement that you guys have going. But in Nick Saban, when he goes out to recruit kids, all right, this is his line, right? He comes into your house. He's trying to get your kid to come to Tuscaloosa to play football. And he says, listen, I've been the coach at Alabama for 14 years. Not one recruit that has come to my program has not won a national title, and I'm giving you the opportunity to come be a part of my program. Well, that's pretty good speech, isn't it? Yeah. See, at Missouri, we're like, well, listen, we'll give you some free corn. You know, we're it's a it's a very different uh, operation we run there in Mizzou. Um, but I think about. Jesus. And I want you to understand when Jesus comes, he said, listen, everybody wins. Anybody who will accept me, everybody, anybody who will confess Jesus is Lord, repent of their past. The past doesn't matter. Your present doesn't matter. It's repenting of that and saying, I want Jesus going forward. So listen, If you're a guest, we're glad you're here. Stop by guest services. The offering stuff's in the back. But the most important part is you and I, we're either coming up front and saying, I need Jesus, or we're Philip, and we say, I've got to run to do what God's called me to do. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thank you for challenging us. Thanks for showing us the power of one. One gift, one ability, one yes. So God, I don't know what you want to do. I don't know who needs to be saved that's watching online or Palm Bay or DeLand. <clears throat> Who's here in front of me? I have no idea. I do know that we're all a bunch of sinners that need to repent and be saved by grace. We're all broken. And God, instead of our anger that doesn't accomplish anything, may we be people that are full of brokenness for other broken people to help one... Dying man find bread so that he can share it with another. In Jesus' name, amen.